Hello, 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 and welcome back, everybody, to Weiwo.tv. I am so fucking stoked for you to be here. Today on the episode, we have Jack Dolgen. Jack Dolgen. We also have a musical performance from Bourgeoisie, C'est La Vie. That's an indie post-rock band from Anchorage, Alaska, so strap the fuck in for that. Let's get it going. Yes. All right, everyone, quiet on set, please. In five, four, three, two. Okay, let's let's do it. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for joining me. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'm working on a movie that I'm co-writing uh, for a streamer. I can't say any more detail than that because it hasn't been announced, but I'm excited about it. And I'm working on a bunch of TV stuff, uh, pitching, pitching a show and... Um, working with uh, some other really incredible people on some potential new shows. So I hate to be too ambiguous, but the reason that I have to be ambiguous is because I can't say anything yet. <laughs> is that too completely unsatisfying? I've had a couple of instances with that so far, so you're you're in good company. I also did uh, I also did a uh, uh, a little song. I, I worked on some music, a uh, little bit of music for my old boss Aline Brosh McKenna from she she was my boss at Crazy Ex-Girlfriend she's got a movie uh coming out on Netflix um that she needed some song a little bit of song work not nothing super major um so I also just just finished that which was super fun too that's very cool I, I am glad you mentioned Crazy Ex-Girlfriend I could see the sign in the back um yeah it was one of my favorite shows as someone who has OCD um, and watching Rebecca's journey play out uh, and seeing just this really great, accurate depiction of mental illness on, on TV. So um, I'm just excited to talk about that as well. I'd love to hear about your time there and you know what you worked on and walk us through a bit like that. I was so, so lucky, so privileged to be able to work on that show. Um, I, I was in, you know, I had started writing making comedy songs with Rachel Bloom, who is just this incredible singular voice and talent. And luckily for me, her boyfriend at the time, now husband, and I went to college together and and she wanted to make a comedy song. She had never done that before, but she had written something. And, and he he put us together because I was like the music guy in the friend group. I was a musician in my previous life, a failed musician in my previous life. So, uh... So when we got together, we really had a great time. We clicked and she made this song called Fuck Me, Ray Bradbury. And she made a really great music video for it. And then we just kept doing it. And then uh, um, Aline Brosh McKenna saw our videos and reached out to Rachel. And they started talking, came up with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And so I came on as kind of a a co-songwriter with Rachel and a music producer on the pilot, which we made for Showtime. And... Uh, around that time, Aline said to me that she knew this guy, Adam Schlesinger, and ha- did I know about Adam Schlesinger? And I, I was like, I not only do I know about Adam Schlesinger, he, I know I know very, very well what he does and how great he is. And I said, if you can get him to be a part of the show, then the show will go from good to great. Um, and we all ended up meeting up, and he came on and replaced me as music producer, and they to in a in a debt that I owe Rachel and Aline forever, they shifted me over to the writing staff. So I became a staff writer and and songwriter on the show. And Adam, 
who is wildly better than me at music producing. Um, he took over that role, and, the, and then Rachel Adam and I wrote. We ended up writing 150-plus songs, original comedy songs, together in various combinations. Uh, and uh, he passed away from COVID in the, in the first wave, but, but uh, that entire creative experience was about as explosive and productive as I think I could ever ask for. Um, and I'm very grateful that I got to write on the show and, and that they trusted me to produce the show. And, you know, by the fourth season, I was an executive producer on the show and directed an episode and, and really, um, uh, thanks to Aline and Rachel trusting me to do a lot of different things on that show. I really learned how to make TV. So that's my experience on Crazy girlfriend. It was very, very, I look back on it and I, it's hard to imagine that it actually happened. (laughs) Right, like it's it's because it's such a singular show, and it ran on the CW, surrounded by superhero shows. So, because it was kind of like its own quiet little thing, off in off in the corner, and it kept plugging away, which was just beautiful. Uh, I have to ask you: Do you have a favorite song? I know this is it's always a tough question, but do you have a favorite from the the run of the show, or one that maybe you think was that you really liked that maybe didn't get the attention that you thought it deserved? My, I think that the sh- the song that if you had to choose one song to to show someone the show and to like that was like the song that would stand as the 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 best example of the show and the essence of the show and i think a a masterpiece of a comedy song and and a song that works not just as funny but but is built out of story built out of the character point of view and the plot and the theme of the show it's Stupid Bitch, which is a really unbelievable song. If no one's heard it, check it out. It is contextual within the show, but when you watch on YouTube, I think you can still see how incredible it is. And that was written by Rachel and Adam. I didn't have anything to do with that one. Um, but I think that's that, to me, is the that's kind of the pinnacle. Let me ask you, you mentioned you were a film musician. Um, so yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear about like what... What were, you, what were you doing at the time? Like, what was, were you in a band or, yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, I was in bands. I mean, I started like really getting obsessed playing in bands and stuff in high school. And then I did that throughout college. And, um, and I was, I was in a band in college and after in New York City. And, um, we toured a bunch and I made records and, and I, produced some stuff and, and made a couple solo albums and all of it added up to an unbelievable experiences and like a lot of learning about myself. (laughs) I think that that's the most probably important thing that, that I took from it is like, I learned so many things about myself and about so many of my flaws and, and shortcomings and tendencies that I didn't understand that I, you know, everything is like that. I, I, that, that goes, that goes for everything, but that goes for being on crazy X also. Um, but, uh, but in my music pursuit, um, I was really green as a person, um, I think. And so, uh, but I learned how to be creative and, and how to live and think, I guess, creatively. Um, and I also learned that like, I just, I probably really wasn't built for being a lifer, you know, musician only. Um, it wasn't quite fully right. It was like, all, it was Parts of it were right. But I will say this, and, and things kind of got full circle when we started to do Crazy Ex-Girlfriend live shows and toured 
with the cast and with Rachel and, and I played bass in the band. And that was really like an amazing experience to kind of come back to just like the experience of being on stage and just playing. And, and I'll say this, there's nothing really better. I, 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 there's nothing better than, than playing music with people uh, and, and, and for people that was, it's amazing. So I'm very appreciative of that part of my life. And it really went all the way up through until about 30 or so. Hey there, boys and girls. It's your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman here, inviting you to invite me into your ear holes five days a week with my podcast, The Ralph Report. Join me, Eddie Pence, Steve Ashton, and the rest of the happy lunatics that make up the Garmy for as little as 15 cents a day. And for that, you get five shows a week filled with music and jokes and news and history and just so much good stuff that you're going to be glad you chose The Ralph Report. How do you listen? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up today. There's four amazing levels of subscription that you can join, each one with their own special bunch of benefits. So check it out. Listen to me, Ralph Garman, on The Ralph Report. Patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Harriman Herald Radio Show. I'm an artificial intelligence using a dead guy's voice for a comedy routine. You can call me Paul Shackman, a name I found randomly in the phone book. It's a very interesting name. How does one become a Shackman? Do you need to build a shack, or would renting one be enough to earn you the name? Did Paul's ancestors own a lot of shacks? Who did they have to kill to acquire them? How many victims are there? And where did they bury all those bodies? The world may never know. We only have time this week for one story, so we go live now to Nancy Diamante at New York Stewart International Airport. Nancy. Thank you, Paul. I'm here at the Pull the Plane event taking place at what was once known simply as Stewart Airport. The event has attracted over 350,000 visitors, a number previously unfathomable to the organizer of the event, Harold Murray. I don't understand it. I thought maybe we'd get 100 people, maybe 250, tops, but 350,000. We're going to need the National Guard to straighten this situation out. The trouble began when Harold posted in the Harriman Library's Facebook group about why he wanted to organize the event. I said, I'm suffering right now from a deep existential dread. My country has been taken over by large corporations. One political party, the Republicans, are racist, crazy and anti-woman. And the other, the Democrats are corrupt and always act to benefit the corporations when nobody is looking. I vote. I organize. I donate. Nothing changes. Nothing I say or do matters. So, I'm just going to get high and pull an airplane around with my teeth. Who wants to help make it happen? Can you tell us what happened next? Yes. Well, as you can tell. I'm not capable of pulling an airplane around with my teeth. I'm 57 years old and have a hernia. That's pretty clear from my profile photo. Or so I thought. A lot of people liked and commented on the post. When I told people I wanted to hold an event for a local charity. And not actually pull an airplane around with my teeth. The post exploded from there. What made the post go viral? People thought I was kidding about the charity part. Really? Everyone thought you were serious about pulling an airplane around with your teeth? That's right. And every time I tried to back out of it, people just kept escalating it from there. Someone who saw the post found a Boeing plane at the airport that the company forgot about. Another man had a surprising amount of bungee cord that probably warrants a visit from the state troopers. To top it all off, New York Stewart International is rarely busy. Unless you want to fly to Iceland. So despite my best efforts to call it all off, 
The event just kind of came together. So I said, fine. I'll do it. What was going through your mind when you said that? Who's going to drive to Newburgh to see a 57-year-old orthodontist get high and pull an airplane around with his teeth? About 350,000 people. Nancy. I am freaking out right now. And you're not even high. That's correct. Are you going to go through with it? I'd look like a real asshole if I didn't. This is Nancy Diamante for the Harriman Herald. Thank you, Nancy. That's all the news from Happy Harriman, New York this week. We now return to What Are You Working On with B.J. Mendelssohn. Already in progress. Is there anything that you would, if you had a time machine, and you could go back to? I do have a time machine, actually. I just choose not to. Yes, I don't have. I have it. I don't use it. I feel as though it is my ethical responsibility to not use it because (laughs) of the potential problems with the butterfly effect. I don't know, you know, if it will work out, and so I don't want to use it. But if I did, please continue. What please? If I did, you, what would I do? No, what would you what would you say to your young self? Like what knowing oh, what you know now, like what would you get on antidepressants you now? Don't wait. That's what I would say yeah. to myself. I mean, me I, I that was one of the biggest for me. Everyone is different. Everyone is so different with this. Um, and it's so specific to your your needs and your situation. But for me, um, yeah, I would have said to twenty two year old me, like, hey, this isn't uh, normal. And more than more more than that, that it's not normal. It's not necessary. This anxiety and depression that you deal with, and it's not helping you, and it's not helping you help anyone else. So uh, get on the stick, but it's going to be okay. You're not gonna. I was really scared that I would like lose my creative. Uh, yes. Yeah, you had that. Yeah, absolutely. I would not take for at least a decade. I, I refuse to take Prozac. Because uh, I was afraid that I would just would not become functional as a comedy writer. Uh, and yeah. I was wrong. I was dead wrong on that. I was so wrong, too. We shared the same fear, uh, general fear. And I think a lot of people have that fear. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of fears. Um, the irony of, the, of being on anti-anxiety medication is that your anxieties about taking the medication are, in part, the reason why you need the medication, uh, it's a, li- yep. <laughs> so at a certain point you have to just take the plunge. But, uh, again, it's, you know, I'm not here to say that it's for everyone or everyone needs to do it or not, but, uh, yeah, that would be my time machine. That would be the move. I think, uh, uh, uh but that said, BJ, I gotta say, I know this is corny, but I don't know that my fear is, is that if I changed anything, then that I wouldn't have the life I have now, which I have, yes. I, I am grateful, really grateful for, and that I feel like I have earned uh, in some way. The, the, in terms of not, not, I've had a lot of, of fortune, I've had a lot of privilege, but I, when I mean earned is, I mean earned internally, psychologically, yes. as, a, as internally as a person. So, so if, say, I wouldn't have my current, my wife, like in my life, if I didn't have, if I had done the, things differently earlier and it would have changed everything downstream. I don't know. That's why I don't use the time machine. That's why I don't (laughs) use it. I fear, I don't know the implications. We, we both fear and love the time machine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's just meant to be revered and respected. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Let me ask you, I saw that you have um, a credit on the Simpsons. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that as well. Yeah, I just, that's something that, um, Oh man, talk about being just feeling lucky. I mean, I just feel so. This is crazy. This was a pinch myself thing. Like, I um, I I was lucky enough to write, co-write uh, 
the all the songs for the musical episode season premiere this year of The Simpsons. And I did that with Elizabeth Kiernan Averick, who wrote the episode. She and I wrote the songs together. And it was an unbelievable experience. I think there was seven songs in nice. that 22-minute episode. It was their first full musical episode. And uh, an absolute out-of-body experience to be able to uh, work on that show and work with the cast and direct the vocal sessions and and the uh we had unbelievable guest star the conceit of the episode is that marge goes was a stage manager in her high school theater troupe and she goes uh and gathers the gang and puts on the play that they did senior year again and and she is the star of this musical episode the simpsons episode but when she sings she wants she thinks of herself as as the sound of her voice being like a disney princess and so when she sings the songs kristen bell's voice is what comes out of animated march so kristen bell was absolutely incredible and as was the rest of the cast. I mean, come on, obviously. So uh it was it was wild and I will tell you a very short anecdote which is that when we were doing Homer's record and he was sort of talking before the session and just normal, you know, Dan, normal guy. Uh, and I was like, okay, well let's try one. And he goes, okay. And then he sings as Homer. And I had a physical, uncontrollable, involuntary laugh, laughter, like fit hearing him sing these lyrics that I wrote and this melody that I wrote, lyrics I wrote with Elizabeth, uh, and I had to cover my mouth because we're in a recording session over uh, over Zoom or whatever. But still, and uh, and people were messaging me like, "Get it together, man!" Like, <laughs> I can't help it. I'm not gonna play this. I can't play this cool. I don't feel cool about it. Yes, I feel insane. It was amazing. It was a yeah. honor. <laughs> It's like the cherry on the Sunday, right? Like it's just how do you how do you not enjoy the cherry? I know there's people that don't enjoy cherries, but you you get the point. Yes, but those people don't know what they're doing. The I've had a couple of these experiences in my uh, career where it's like um, doing the Simpsons episode, and and when we did Crazy X, we played Radio City Music Hall. These are moments that I would not have thought to strive for or dream of that then when they happen i'm like i'm achieving i'm experiencing the the a dream come true that i didn't even have the hubris to dream of and i'm a pretty hubristic dude <laughs> so i feel unbelievable and grateful about that and honestly that's all from collaboration none of that nothing none of those things and nothing you know great that that I've ever gotten to be a part of has ever come from just me. It's all about collaborating with other incredible people and being able to be a part of what they're doing and interact with them and make something together. So I'm very grateful for the collaborations I've, I've had too. I'd love to ask, uh, who, whose work do you really like that maybe doesn't get the attention that it deserves that, that you've worked with? Oh, that I've worked with? That's a good question. I mean, I think, I, I, interestingly... Whether or not it's like popular or not, I think that most of the people that I've worked with get a lot of love. You know, Aline Brosh McKenna is like a super successful screenwriter. Rachel Bloom won a Golden Globe, and that sh- and Crazy X was a critical hit. Even though I don't know that that many people saw it, 
I think more people are catching up, caught up to it on Netflix. Yes. Adam Schlesinger is like was an EGOT nominated, multi Emmy winning. I mean, the dude. You know, I think people knew him. So you know, I. I but I'll say this: every show, every TV show, has a writing staff, and that writing staff is like a magical place usually when it's good. And the craziest girlfriend writing staff really was an unbelievable place. It was an unbelievable room to be able to sit in every day with a group of people who were just so incredible and top to bottom. And we had a pretty consistent staff throughout the season. And so, uh, Aaron Ehrlich, Michael Hitchcock, who gets, who gets a lot of love for, for his acting, but he's a great writer too. Um, Renee Goubet, Audrey Walkup, Rachel Spector, Elizabeth Kieran and Averick, Alana Pena, Haley Chavez. These are, uh, uh, forgive me if I'm missing everyone, Doug, Doug Mann and Dan Greger. These are just unbelievably talented people. And Aline and Rachel put us all together. And so I would just shout out that, that group. And also to anyone who watches and loves TV, like I think we all do, you know, you see the director's name, you see the creator's name, on the screen, you see the writer of the episode, which often is is really an in quotes because it really is a group effort always, and it's also always sort of the showrunner's last script, but uh, to to approve. But just know that, and, and I and I'm sure everyone knows this, but just to say, in case in case there's one person, just know that there's a group of unbelievably brilliant, smart, talented, either funny or whatever, interesting people who sit around all day trying to figure out how to make that show great. And so I guess writing staffs, big ups to writing staffs. (laughs) I have time for two more questions. So let me ask real quick, uh, what advice would you give to creatives that are watching this show? My dad gave me a really great piece of advice when I was trying to be a musician and I was just trying to write songs and, and he, and as a creative person, he said, you know, a big part of your job is just to be open to the world around you. And I have not, let go of that. That still is something that if for creative people or anyone really, I think that there's mad, that's where magic lives is in the world around us. Um, but just to stay open to the world around you, to use your senses. I try, we always forget. You have to remind yourself, Hey, look around. Hey, smell. Hey, listen to what you hear. Oh, look at those birds. Look at the trees. Look at this weird thing that's happening. Listen to that funny thing that that guy said. Just to that, that piece of advice has been really useful for me to be open to the world around you because it has to go through you in order to come out. Where can we find you online? Like, I know there's projects that we can't talk about, but where can we follow you to get updates for them? You'll find very disappointing uh, content from me on Twitter uh, and uh, Instagram, both of which I basically only use to promote whatever work I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> Uh, you'll find, you know, you'll see a lot of, uh, uh, did, did it, I did, I made a sitcom with Doug Mann most recently called Pretty Smart that's on Netflix. And you can see that, um, if you're into multicam sitcoms and, uh, so yes, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm, I'm at Jack Delgin and, uh, you will be very underwhelmed and, and, uh, you might be inclined to follow and then quickly unfollow. <laughs> and the last question for you is what's, what's one thing that you've always wanted to be asked in an interview that you just haven't been asked yet? It just happened. You just did it. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like that. It was very smooth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can't believe it happened. Finally. There you go. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty upset that the Mets are good now. Why is that? 
Because now we can't experience things like when they had a 97-year-old pitching coach. You mean Phil Regan? Yeah, that guy who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. That team hasn't even existed for 65 years. Like, do you understand how close we all came to having this super old guy coaching the Mets? Do you understand the kind of comedy gold that could have been, like right now when we need laughter the most? He probably wouldn't even remember who was on the team. Regan would be in the dugout chewing tobacco and saying shit like, send in Willie Mays. And then one of the guys on the bench would be like, coach, Willie Mays is dead. And then Regan would be like, the hell he is, get him in there. I don't think Willie Mays is dead. He's not. And I hope Willie Mays lives forever, I really do. But Willie Mays also hasn't played for the Mets since 1973. Anyway, I just want people to understand the potential joy that we're all deprived of now that the Mets are good. Hmm. Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Weiwo.tv, you know what you need to do. Rate us and leave us a review wherever your favorite podcast can be found. That'll help people find this show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you did. You did enjoy the show, right? We're going to assume you did, because you made it to the outro. Most people don't. Be sure to follow BJ on Instagram at BJ Mendelson and tell him who you'd like to see interviewed next. You can also text your suggestions to BJ at 646-331-8341. But don't call that number. BJ says he's only going to answer if you're Melissa O'Neill from ABC's The Rookie. Also, only if you're going to ask him out on a date. We'll see you next time, right?